No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Anybody that's not familiar, maybe, yet with uh, Alinsky, or maybe they've witnessed kind of, you know, what he's caused, who was he and how pervasive are his works? Well, it's, it's because of the fact that it, it, the thing that he's done has been underhanded. It's really hard to tell exactly how pervasive it is. But uh, he wrote the book in, in 1971, and then he followed up with a little bit later with a rule of a book called uh, Reveille for Radicals. Um, and the idea was, and, and you could just look at, look at the name, it's not rules for the majority on how we're going to make the country a better place. It's rules for the radicals. It's, it's, it's the idea of taking a fringe and motivating them and activating them to be effective uh, far beyond their numbers by using, uh, in no simpler terms, and dirty tricks. And uh, they've been very successful with this, mainly because our side doesn't recognize the dirty tricks in time. And even, even at this late date, these many years later, um, our side is frequently blindsided by the things that they do, and we stumble into it. Uh, one of the things that I point out throughout the book, I, I, I use the line that the Alinsky strategy only works on those who allow it, and it's because they set the snare and we step in it. What exactly is the end game of the Alinsky strategy? Well, if you look at who he was and uh, who he appealed to and, uh, and how they uh, implemented the changes that they could and everything that's happened since then, um, it's, it's back to the same old uh, leftist, uh, statist, globalist, uh, the, the plan of the communists um, to, to implement a tyrannical, all-powerful government that's going to run your life, and you're not going to have any say-so in, in um, what to do about it. What got you in particular so interested in it and said, you know what, I need to get a voice out there. I need to write about this. It kind of happened over a period of time. I, I was uh, just recently moved out here from Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming is the most Republican state in the country uh, by um, virtue of the number of people uh, registered with each party. Uh, it had the highest percentage of Trump voters in, in 2016, just for one example. And, and yet what we saw going on there was as um, even though we're hearing uh, real good sounding platitudes and there was a couple of real taboo issues in Wyoming you don't talk about in state income tax and you don't under any circumstances threaten the second amendment. The problem was that everything else was just continuing to drift to the left. And we were seeing things, just basic premises of, of um, you know, conservatism that were, were getting brushed aside, um, getting mocked and ridiculed to the point where your Republican legislators in a veto-proof Republican majority state government were afraid to actually take a stand. And uh, so over the years, I began, I be began noticing that, um, I, I think it was Bill Bennett uh, um, who said that you're, you're in this giant barge and you're, you're pulling the wheel to the right as hard as you can and it keeps drifting left. And so I began analyzing that and I began realizing that uh, these dirty tricks were being used, and then uh, became pretty obvious where they had come from. Um, the, the Alinsky strategy, which, uh, in its simplest terms, it, it's a very um, uh, 
similar to schoolyard bullying. You can pick a target um, in your opposition that you see as a threat, whether it's because it's a rising star or it's a point of view that, that you, uh, you want to marginalize. And uh, you, you lambaste that target in front of everybody and uh, you ridicule the, either the issue or the person and uh, people become afraid to actually take a stand on it. Well, there you go. Sorry, I had a little technical issue there. No problem. Um, you know, one of the people that I think implements the Alinsky strategy right now in modern politics is David Brock, the head of Media Matters. Familiar with him? Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, he's a perfect example. As a matter of fact, uh, if you go back into his history, he started out as a conservative spokesman. Well, that's how he got prominence. Uh, then one day, and it's been quite a few years back now, all of a sudden he became a um, just total leftist uh, right up there with Robert De Niro and whoever else you want. And, and yeah, Media Matters is a great example. Uh, um, the power that they have is not that they're presenting facts and a cohesive uh, uh, strategy or, or uh, substantive issues or anything of that kind. What they have is the ability to instantly pounce and very, very vocally mock and ridicule uh, their target. And, and again, if the target uh, is somebody who, who is uh, sure of what they stand for and uh, unafraid to stand, the, the person hits back at them and says, no, I don't accept that, at which point that their attack fizzles. All too often, a person in that situation, they're running for re-election in a close district or, or name your excuse. It honestly can come down to something as simple as cowardice that the person feels threatened by the attack and feels uh, compelled to somehow appease. And once they do that, in any degree, they have validated the attack. So do you think that's why Trump was so successful in the 2016 election is because of his double down strategy instead of, Absolutely. you know, mm -hmm. I heard, Absolutely. I heard somebody tell say one time, if you give the left an inch, they'll take a mile. Like if you say even I'm sorry, or concede one point, that's part of the Olinsky strategy. And I think that's been very effective. Would you like to speak on that? Absolutely. And, and uh, matter of fact, if you could go back to my book there, rule number one for how to, uh, to uh, be um, immune the Alinsky strategy. Rule number one, and it's there in that position, uh, the head position for a purpose, is never ever apologize unless you've actually committed a wrong. And if you have and you, you are compelled to apologize, then you be very, very specific about what it is you're apologizing for. Um, they, if, if they can get you into a position to apologize, and again, our side falls for this all too often, the minute you apologize, you validate the accusation even if you go to the point of apologizing for having offended them. Um, well, I didn't mean that to, to, to hurt your feelings. I, uh, I wasn't trying to sound uh, contentious or whatever. Anything like that, any concession um, is essentially validating the accusation. Trump, um, if you think about it, there was one situation in uh, the entire uh, campaign, the entire two, two, three years that he was campaigning before he got elected. There was one situation where he came out and apologized. And it was that comment, that locker room comment that, that, that he was uh, recorded, secretly recorded saying. And he said, no, I shouldn't have said that. It wasn't good. But the rest of the time, the effort was made to get him to apologize for speaking the truth. And the minute we apologize for speaking the truth, we abandon the truth. Well, the left operates under a banner of lies. And if you're abandoning the truth and they're promoting their lies unabashedly, 
we know which side's going to prevail. I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's why they want to promote probably political correctness so much because it's, again, kind of, or is multiple gender kind of thing is because they really want to get you away from what you know is the rock solid truth and get you on that iffy moral ground. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, um, the, the, uh, the ultimate goal in these situations is for them to uh, uh, assume this perch on their, on their phony moral high ground on some means or another. Um, you either hurt their feelings or, uh, you said, or you're a racist, you said something that, that was insensitive, which is another one of those terms they love to throw out. It's an accusation that has absolutely no basis other than they're saying you did something wrong. And the goal is to get you on the defensive. Um, I, I use the analogy of uh, two ships out at sea, and one of them is firing bullets at the other one, and the other one is trying to patch the holes. We know who's going to win that fight. It, it may be a matter of time, but we know who's going to win the fight. And if they can put us on that defensive, that's exactly how it's going to turn out. And again, in too many cases, our side has fallen into that. I really didn't mean to say that. I wasn't trying to sound like a bigot. I'm really not a bigot, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we go off that way. And the only thing we can do at that point is maybe damage control while they're getting out there and they're asserting their point of view as unassailable truth. Do you think they're using the Alinsky strategy right now against, let's say, something that's been in the news like Chick-fil-A? So they have Chick-fil-A kind of, kind of backpedaling a little bit. Do you think that that's part of it? Absolutely. Uh, Chick-fil-A was a perfect example of what our side could accomplish when we stood our ground. Um, you know, they were, they were the, the Donald Trump of fast food there when, when the, uh, the left started attacking them over the whole uh, same-sex marriage issue. And Chick-fil-A stood their ground. And I can tell you uh, uh, right in town here that the Chick-fil-A on the day, a couple of years back when the left was staging this massive boycott of Chick-fil-A because they wouldn't support same-sex marriage, um, the, the crowds outside of that place, they were wrapping around the building and down the block. And it was our side saying, we will stand with you if you stand. And Chick-fil-A did a great job of, um, of standing for a while and they, they uh, their sales went through the roof, their, their market share went way up. A lot of it was because people liked the food, but a lot of it was a loyalty to people who had the courage to stand against uh, the, the leftist onslaught. Well, now Chick-fil-A feels like they've got us in their pocket and they can boost their market share a little bit more by pandering to the opposition. And it's, it's, it's going to backfire. What do you think that the Alinsky strategy is going to be for somebody that has proven to defeat it in the past, like Donald Trump going into 2020? Well, what they typically do is they turn up the volume. Um, if, if they can get shrill enough to panic you, uh, to get you to back off, then all the momentum suddenly shifts in their direction. And, and I'll give you the perfect example, which is the government shutdown. We can go back to, to the 95 shutdown under Bill Clinton. And the thing that, that the, the Republican Party to this day does not realize is that whichever side capitulates on the government shutdown, that's the side that's going to get the blame. And so I don't care how long it goes, uh, if, if you're the one that backs down, then the minute you back down, you're saying you were the one that caused the problem and you've um, seen the error of your ways and you're repenting. How has the Alinsky strategy and Alinsky himself been able to inf uh, infiltrate academia to such a degree that he's created an, almost an entire generation of uh, SJW, social justice warriors, and they're just basically brainwashed by it. Yeah, uh, it's um, 
the, the um, I deal with this, oh gosh, I forget, chapter four or something. I, I deal with this in a big way in what the, the, the uh, Linsky uh, strategy of marginalizing, picking a target, marginalizing them, uh, ostracizing them, and, and basically bludgeoning them in front of everybody so that the rest of the crowd says, I don't want to be that person. How do I keep from becoming a target myself? And uh, if you look at, uh, for example, you might, I'm sure you remember a couple of years back where there's a kid that uh, has a Pop-Tart and he chews it into the shape of a gun. And um, so he gets suspended for, um, for you know, this, this is going to stop school shootings to suspend a kid with a Pop-Tart that looks like a gun. But the real point there was to show everybody that that is taboo behavior and you will become totally ostracized from society. You humiliate that child, you humiliate his parents. Well, what do the other parents say to their kids? They say, I don't want you to get suspended. And so therefore, don't you dare do that. Well, now, you, now you've ingrained in the minds of the children that anything referencing a gun is evil and deserving of punishment. Well, I, uh, that's very enlightening. I think that's very well put, actually. What do you think that, is there anything, let's say, let's backtrack a little bit. Do you think there's anything that's too taboo or a certain dignity that they, they will not step on? Or was, is there just no end to how bad they'll try to go after you personally and all these attacks? I, I think when you consider that this is the party that will happily and enthusiastically support Planned Parenthood as Planned Parenthood dissects live unborn children and sell them for parts. This is the party, this is the movement that uh, has, has no scruples of, of regarding fellow human beings that way. This is the party that will tell any lie in the, in, uh, the uh, debate of the moment to win on any terms. And then it'll turn around in the next breath and, and totally contradict that lie because in the next argument, uh, they, they have to say something different. I think that they have shown that, uh, there, there were taboos in this country in the past. You know, we can go back to, for example, Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson, you mentioned a while back, um, that uh, you, you had people that were progressive leftists in their time, um, FDR, that they were not traitors. And there was a time when, in this country, we would not cross that line where we would actually um, forfeit the country itself for the sake of the agenda. But with the rise of uh, globalism, and uh, which is actually just an extension of the, of the whole uh, Marxist agenda of global domination. With the rise of that, um, we have seen a total turnaround. That, that was like the last barrier, and we've seen an absolute ridiculing of things like patriotism. It's, it's, it's nationalism, or better yet, it's white nationalism, where we can make you not only you're a Nazi, but you're a bigoted Nazi. Um, and, and so, so for you to stand for your country is no different than, than, than Hitler wanting to uh, you know, march six million Jews off to the gas chambers. Um, so I, I think at this point, it's no holds barred on their part. The only limits that they, that, they, uh, that they will respect are limits that are put on them by us because if we stand our ground against them, their attacks instantly implode. And, and at that point, they've got to back off and they've got to, then they've got to go on the defensive. Uh, I think, again, nobody has done a better job of putting them in that position in, in recent decades than, than Donald Trump. Have you yourself been attacked? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, because, okay, and what was that like? Oh, it, it, well, the thing about those attacks, um, if, 
back to my, 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 my comment in the book of, of they only uh, can prevail over you if you allow it. So um, I've, uh, I've been attacked, uh, all your Twitter and Facebook making comments. I, I wrote a long time uh, internet column that showed up on lots of websites uh, and uh, you get these responses back. And um, I get things like, uh, uh, you'll notice my uh, receding hairline here, you know, some reference to that. Um, as if that's substantive in, in a political debate on something. And if you're a sensitive person, uh, you know, and you, you're afraid of actually being mocked or ridiculed somehow, um, then those kinds of things, uh, people, people dodge those. I, I know people uh, on Twitter and Facebook that will send me private messages, you know, hey, look at this post, look at this comment this person made it. And I say, why don't you go public with it? Oh, no, I can't do that. Because the, the, the idea that a bunch of leftists are going to swarm them and call them names is something that they just can't handle. And uh, the minute you put them in their proper perspective um, and you recognize them, I refer to them as little lefty ankle biters. And of course they get really indignant over that. It's kind of funny to watch. But they, the thing is, once they hit that point, and we've seen it with uh, even Schiff and Pelosi, once they, once they hit that point where they get hysterical and their hysterics don't stop you, their hysterics don't make you back off and feel apologetic, the only option they have to do is to get more hysterical. Well, when they hit a tipping point, they become ridiculous and they get more hysterical and more ridiculous. It's totally counterproductive. Is that the Achilles heel of the whole thing? It, it really is. If you stand your ground, um, if, if you don't accept their attack, um, it, it, it goes right back in their face. Um, uh, again, the perfect example of this in, in the modern era. And um, I will put a disclaimer in here. I did start writing my, my book before uh, 2016, before Trump did it, but, uh, but it was such a great example when um, he made the statement about the, the murderers and rapists coming across the border. There was a strategy, a well-orchestrated strategy that was laid out that was going to end Donald Trump's political career the very next time he came in front of a microphone. It amounted to this. He was going to be totally um, confronted by what an awful thing that was to say. And the plan was, and the typical response that they had seen to this, pure Alinsky, you get him out there, you humiliate him for saying such an awful thing, he apologizes. And he says, you know, that was a little extreme. I didn't mean to say that that way. Uh, I really shouldn't have said that. Well, now he's apologizing. He's done two things. He's validated their attacks and he's the base that was just rallying around him because we like the fact that he was being so blunt and so forthright all of a sudden we're dispirited. Okay, so the goal was to do that. He'd lose his momentum, we'd fall apart. And then from that point forward, it would be, this is not only the Democrats, but also the rhinos. It would, he would be held up as the example of, it, it wasn't a matter of what he said or the fact that he backed out. It was the fact that he wasn't for open borders. They'd recast the issue in such a way that it promoted their agenda and he would have been a casualty and we would have been lost. Well, he got in front of the microphone and somebody said, I don't remember who the reporter was now, he said, you can't say that. And his response was, it's the, probably the most famous quote of, uh, of that, that first year's campaign. He said, well, somebody's doing the raping. So he wasn't the least bit embarrassed. He hadn't said anything wrong. He wasn't the least bit apologetic. And the thing that fell apart was not his stance, but the guy's statement that you can't say that. 
Right, it was a factual statement that it is, you know, statistically happened, it can be tracked. And right. I, you know, I really, I admire Trump, you know, in many ways. Um, I know that, you know, we want to keep this concise and all that, but there's something I really want to ask you. And Alinsky famously dedicated Rules to Radical to Lucifer. Right. And do you think that there is some kind, do you think he meant that as an atheist being facetious, or do you think he meant there was some kind of, you know, spiritual tone to it? Well, I actually deal with that very specifically in the book. I deal with it in the intro and in the close. Um, the fact that he did that, um, I'm convinced he was doing that, uh, again, as a leftist, uh, it was to be an affront to all the people out there who believed in decency and honor and, and would be just appalled at such a statement. Um, so he was, he was getting in their face to intimidate them. See, see how outrageous I can be? What are you going to do about it? Having said that, I think that, uh, it's pretty obvious when you look at the results of, of what his strategy has accomplished that whether or not he realized that there was an awful lot more truth to it than, than just the uh, facetiousness that, that he may have intended. And that uh, the, uh, um, I make no bones about the fact that the leftist agenda uh, is a matter of promoting an evil agenda. I've heard in the past it quoted as, if Lenin was Jesus to Marx's, Marx's his father in heaven, then Alinsky would be that unholy spirit. Would you agree with that? It's that pervasive? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we, we could definitely draw lots of analogies there. What you have, uh, you can look at the, the whole uh, pattern of that part of humanity going all the way back to Marx. You can even go back further. But, but what you have uh, is uh, a, a, a political agenda, social political agenda that... Um, is intended to gain power. And the way it gains power is by making false promises and per persuading the gullible to adopt it and accept it uh, to the point that, um, that it gets implemented. And then the power is great enough to where once the people realize they've been duped, that they have, uh, they have no recourse. Uh, Lenin himself referred to, to his minions as the devoted minions as the useful idiots for exactly that reason. Uh, he, he knew that what was gonna happen there was not gonna uh, usher in this era of utopia, but it was gonna usher in this era of totalitarianism with him at the helm. And uh, so he got these people out there and a lot of his most devoted uh, followers that helped uh, you know, overthrow the so uh, Russia and, and implement the Soviet Union, a lot of them ended up in the gulag along with everybody else. Um, you look at Venezuela, what the people are going through, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a hellhole. It's just a total deprivation and squalor that these people are in. And Venezuela was one of the top economies in the Western Hemisphere before they went socialist. But they accepted the, the moral bankruptcy of socialism, and they sold their birthright uh, in, in pursuit of it. And now that it's, it's uh, just nightmarish, the stories that come out of Venezuela of uh, you know, lack of basic commodities like toilet paper, food. People are literally eating their pets because, because they're starving and yet they are helpless to change their circumstances. So I think that if people, I think this is gonna resonate with a lot of people that, you know, believe it or not, a lot of people may not have heard of Alinsky, you know, there's, you know. Right. Uh, so if people are looking for you out on the interwebs, where can they find you? Where can they find the book? And I guess, I also want you to address how can they, you think best connect with you know wanting to kind of counter Alinsky? Well, obviously, um, um, this sounds like I have ulterior motives. The best thing that we can do is, is spread the word that the book exists 
the people who have seen it uh, overwhelmingly um, uh, appreciate the strategy that's presented. It's it's a uh, it's not a massive reference source. I don't I don't footnote it. It's not made to to be something that, that you academically uh, absorb and analyze. It's a guidebook. Here's who leftists are. That's part one. Part two. Here's how they operate. And part three. This is what we can do about them. Um, that that's what people need, especially in these cases. I, I would recommend it for everybody who's frustrated that our side seems so inept at countering all these leftist dirty tricks. As far as how to connect, I'm on Twitter. Um, it's at CG Adamo, C-G-A-D-A-M-O. Um, I have uh, an email uh, associated with the book. It's Adamo R-F-D-R at Gmail, and, uh, and we can connect that way. Um, and the book itself is, uh, is up at Amazon. It's just, just under Rules for Defeating Radicals. And uh, you know, just put my name there in the search and it'll get you right to it. I absolutely love it. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to come by and saying hi and addressing our audience. And um, I also want to say that this is a huge topic. If you've never heard about it, you should definitely dig into the deeper. Uh, it's more prevalent than you might think. I think that this is something that the further you go down the rabbit hole, yeah, at the bottom of it, you somehow always find a, a little, I don't know, a person that really looks up to Saul Linsky, and this is great to have. And I think what it sounds like to me is like a field guide to countering Alinsky, and I think that a lot of people need that. Again, it is Christopher Adamo, and the book is Rules for Defeating Radicals, Countering the Alinsky Strategy in Politics and Culture. I implore everybody to go give it a check out on Amazon. And again, I want to thank you very much, Christopher, for joining us this evening. Well, thank you. Today or evening, wherever you're at. I don't know exactly <laughs> where you're at, to be honest. The internet, yeah. Central time zone. It, it's evening here, and it's been great talking to you. Absolutely. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parlor, and a whole slew of other places. If you type in New Right Network, one word, New Right Network, and NewRightNetwork.com, you will find us, and you will see this interview. Thank you very much, as always, for joining us. And... Be safe out there. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.